Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. I know we got some kiddos in the room because it's family worship day. Anybody excited it's summer? Ooh, kind of maybe. All right, that was weak sauce. Let's try that again. Anybody excited it's summer? That's a little bit more. That's a little better. Uh, the reality is that uh, some are going, oh, me, uh, and not uh, not that excited about it. Uh, but it is here. It's upon us. And uh, it's it's beautiful and to see it come. And it's also beautiful when it goes. Uh, when you think about uh, about this summer and in this day, please listen in, kiddos, and lean in on the message. I'll, I'll try to be quick. I'll try to be re- relevant uh, to, to where you're at. But we're in talking about the church. And we're going to talk today about some of the uh, some of the ways that we get to as a church be in people's lives I'm gonna come back and talk about this stool in just a moment it does have relevance but I want to remind us from last week what we talked about the the value of having a three-legged stool if you will not just a two-legged stool and that we're trying as a church to move in a direction where we'd be better balanced we've getting been, been kind of out, of out of balance, if you will, kind of resting all the weight, uh, most of the weight on a two legs of our church. And we want to be more balanced in that. So the three, the three prongs of, of church, as we're looking at the epistles of, uh, of Paul to Timothy and to Titus is one is there's elders. And we talked about elders as being leading servants inside the church. They are the ones who kind of help uh, our servant leaders inside the church. They're the kind of the ones who help govern and help see big picture and, and help lead us, make sure we're on the right track, make sure there's accountability places uh, are, are there and make sure ministry is being done where we said it was going to be done. But then there are the leading servants, those who are on the front lines, rolling up their sleeves, getting into the fray of it. And now that is where we're going to focus on today. In a couple of weeks, we're going to come back and talk about the pastors as being shepherding leaders inside the church. But we have been as a church for a good amount of time, more leaning on two legs, which therefore it's going to cause undue weight, undue stress, undue balance. In fact, you don't balance a two-legged stool. But we're going to try to do a better job of balancing that moving ahead. But I want to lean in on the deacons and that role of being leading servants. Because when you are in that role, now think about a big D title deacon or think about a little D, I'm just a deacon. I'm just, I'm just serving because that's what the word deacon means. I am just in people's lives. That is the most, I think, if you look at all three of those up there, that is the most beautiful, grassroots, life-impacting ministry that you can have. All of them have a part to play. Every one of them is important. But if I want to say, what is the most important? Open up your life. Open up your calendars. Open up your priorities. Open up your wallet. Open up everything and say, I am going to impact people's lives. 
I want to pour my life into. I want to make my life available to uh, other people that are in need, whatever those needs are. And you can list that out as, as far as, uh, as a sheet of paper will take it. But here's what I want us to do is I want us to kind of get a conceptual, a conceptual picture of what this looks like. And when I think about deacons, I think about Brian Moore, who just rotated off a few years ago being one of our deacons, and Emily Moore, and how their family has been serving for years, loving on, caring for children who need homes, need safe and secure environments. And so I'm going to ask Emily, come join me on the stage, please, and let you all do your thing as a family. Welcome, Miss Emily, to the stage. She loves being center stage and uh, with the lights on bright. Uh, So Welcome, girl. And Hello. tell us all about your family. I mean, you've been in the church for a good long time, but what have your family been doing in this time period? So, um, we are a family of five. I have three boys. Three um, biological. Three biological boys that are kind of leaving the nest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But um, I'm here today because I don't know if you really want to know so much about me. I mean, I'm I'm nothing. But what um, I want you to hear today is that there's a crisis going on in northwest Arkansas. There are children that um, are in the foster care system um, with no fault of their own. And we can't find homes. So we have five foster kiddos right now. We'd had six. One of them has moved out and she's getting, we're kind of helping her get her own apartment, stuff like that. Um, But we have two in particular kiddos that need another home. They need another foster home. And fostering is just that. It is opening your doors and filling that bed, letting them sit at the table with you. Um, and y'all, there's no one. No, when you say no one, can I interrupt you? Yes. What do you mean that's by a good, no one? So when I say there's no one, um, there are no open homes right now that can take these boys. So there's a laundry, uh, there's a long list of people without homes. So there's a, there's a laundry list. Um, I have texts. So as a foster parent, and I know there's some in the room right now, you get texts when kiddos right. come into care. And it will state their, uh, not their name, their age, sex, race, just kind of basic yeah. information. And if you are a foster family, you can reply to that text and say, yeah, bring them on. Um, just Friday alone, there were three texts. Age five and four was one set, a 15-year-old boy. Um, I think there was a little girl in there somewhere. I mean, I'd have to pull it up. But I think what I want you to hear more than anything is that I am you. I'm no different. Mm -hmm. I am busy. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I'm disorganized. You know, we eat out way too much. Um... I ate four of my friend's cinnamon rolls the other night for dinner. Um, Food therapy. Food therapy. Um, There's no qualifications for this. 
And when I talked to Mike about it this week, I was kind of at my wit's end. Um, these kiddos that I have are going to be sent to a group home. And what I told Mike was over my dead body, is that going to happen? People don't know. And I'm going to make sure that they know God's people are going to show up. I know they're going to show up. And I get, ask me a question. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm going to say this about Emily. When Emily and I talked, and I don't know, we talked for 30 minutes or yeah. so on the phone. I heard inside of her a broken heart for kids, ju- just the ones in your home, yeah. not to mention the ones that are on yeah. your text stream yeah. that haven't found yeah. homes. Yeah. But you are broken hearted for them, but you're incredibly exhausted over here. And the, the need continues and there's not enough people stepping up. No, and, and I am, I am 100% sure it's because they don't know. Right. And so I'm here to tell you that I'm talking to you mm-hmm. and you. And does that mean, you know, we, we all, always claim the verse that James talked about and religion being pure and faultless that that's taking care of the widows and the orphans. And that word faultless just screams to me mm-hmm. that there's nothing you can do wrong if you're taking care of them. Um, there are a million ways you don't have to open your home. You don't, cause I get it. I'm not meant to be a surgeon. Mm-hmm. I'm not meant to be a chef. It, like I get it, but you can, and he's telling you to, and he's saying that there is a need and we have to step up as church, mm-hmm. not just grace point. I'm talking the church, um, I know people badmouth DHS. It takes so long. It's a ridiculous mm-hmm. amount of time. But I'm telling you that if we had stepped up a long time ago, DHS wouldn't even be here taking mm-hmm. care of our kids. Mm-hmm. So you will not hear me say anything ugly mm-hmm. about that. But it's time. It's time. And if you have that little feeling or that, consider this your divine nudge that you need to ask more questions. Let me, let me ask you another question. So... You're almost keep it elevated. The need is so great that right now they're, they're willing to take, if you're, if you're connected by going to church or a teacher in the school, they will get you in the process faster. Yes. So there's such a thing. We all know what the word kin means, relatives. There's a term out there called fictive kin. And there's non-traditional fictive kin. There's fictive kin. Fictive meaning fake, fiction. Mm -hmm. Kin meaning relatives. So fictive kin is somebody that you know. So um, I could be your fictive kin. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my best friends would be my kids' fictive kin. Um, We need need some of you guys to step up. Um, So teachers and... Sunday school teachers, mm-hmm. um, we need, we need people to say, okay, I got it. It could be just for a season as this, right. but, um, this is urgent enough that there's some... urgent enough that DHS will right. say, listen to me. I'm not a representative of DHS. Right. I can't claim that. Okay. They would look at you. They would, you would do a background check. 
they would look at your home and they would place those kids with you and then you could be trained. That's how desperate it is. Yes, you do have to be trained. They have to make sure you're not crazy. Um, But Mm y'all, the requirements to be a foster home, running water, I would say everybody in here has that, food in your fridge, I do not have that right now. That's Sunday afternoon. Um, And 50 square feet per child. So there's other nuances in there. There are, you know, but basically, um, bunk bed it, man. Um, I don't know. I want to pray for for you right now. Because here's the deal. I wanted Emily to come on the stage in her authenticity, you see an unscripted, unrehearsed, unedited version of a foster family saying, we've raised our hand. We've been available for how long now? Well, these, you mean this like round, the, the, this, I know you took a break, and, but, but this oh, so second. We, so we've been a foster family for about three years. Now. Three years. Yeah. The second we round. need more hands raised. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know where to go and you think, okay, I'm feeling a prompting in, inside of me. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go. We have a prayer room just out, out, out in the gallery area. When you're finished here, she's going to be hanging out in that zone, that area. Stop by there and, 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 and work. Just talk. What next? What, how, maybe I can't open my home, but can I be respite care? Maybe I can't do this, but I can do that. And so just make yourself available wherever the prompting is, and then you will help connect the dots for them. Yes. So I will say after the first gathering, one of the biggest questions that people had was about what is respite care? And respite care is you, you're, you babysit. Yeah. <laughs> so I say, hey, I... Can you take the kids for the, for the weekend, weekend. Mm-hmm. and you take the kids and you get to bring them back. So there's, there's no full time anything. And right. um, we also need foster care. Um, it's called FFSS. Anyways, it's basically just people that will, um, be my go-to people. Uh, mm-hmm. I see a lot of them in the room right now that will just help transport kids to their doctor's appointments, to their soccer, to their football, to There's their, lots of ways. Lots of you can There's so many different ways support. that y'all can help guys. It doesn't have to be. Thank you. I want to pray no, for you right you now. Thank you. Church, would you reach out your hand if you feel comfortable doing that towards Emily? She's representative of so many. Father, we right now want to pray over Emily and Brian and their family. Father, I want to pray over the hundreds of kids right now who don't have homes, don't have a bed, aren't in a safe place, caught in a system or caught in brokenness, that, Father, we get to be the hands and feet. We truly get to be feeding those who need a meal, clothing those who need clothing, providing a place to sleep providing the love of Christ. Father, would you prompt us? Would you stir in us? Would you give us clarity that even this Sunday, right here, right now, you would begin your work in us to be a part of rolling up our sleeves and being a part of what you're doing. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you support Emily with a round of applause? That's the least. Stepping up here.
I, I wanted Emily to come and represent what real deacon looks like. Not in the formal sense of the word, although there's some formality there, but I wanted you to hear what it means to to impact lives because what a church is to be about is not just a band and lights and a haze machine and a talking head up here. It is about being in people's lives. And we can impress people at a distance, but we impact them up close. And I hate to hard shift this back into the message because that's a message in itself that we can also say, like, okay, God, where are you moving in my heart to be a part of that? But let's just right now lean in and say, how is this a part of God's grand scheme for his church to be impacting the community in this world? And how can we as a church move better into that direction of being that kind of church? And so take your Bibles, we'll be finding the book of First Timothy. We'll be there in just a moment. But what we're going to be talking about in this series and what we've been talking about so far is my church. Next week, we're going to talk about why my church, how my church fits into this big scheme of God and plan of God and movement of God. And so if you haven't signed up yet to be a part of next Sunday strategy meeting, I do encourage you to be a part of it. It is a great time. Now, here's the deal. We're not going to be in this room at, not, at 1045 next week. We're going to be outside partying, all right? So we're only going to have a 910 gathering. 910 in this room, all adults, everyone in this room. Kids will still have their activities going on, but we're going to be in here together as a family looking at our church, thinking about then we're going to head outside. We're going to have food and all that kind of stuff. And actually, you're signing up. Make sure you have food, okay? Uh, so make sure you do that and be a part of that that time. But coming back, there's so much, and again, this past week even, there's so much darkness in the church. What we're trying to do as Grace Point Church is we're trying to mitigate our imperfections and elevate the beauty of the church. One of the beauty parts of the church is when families like Brian and Emily Moore say, my life is going to be available 24-7 for where God and how God wants to use it. That is a beautiful mark of the church. And whenever you think about who are the champions of this, who are the leaders of this, these are the ones the Bible recognizes as deacons, okay? But let's talk about them because the word deacon is, again, an ominous word. It's used a hundred times in the New Testament. So you can't get away from it. It's there. It's constantly over and over. If you want to break the word deaconos, the Greek word down, it's a compound word. Dia meaning through and konos meaning dust. So through the dust. I get in this image in my mind, I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm getting my hands dirty in the dust. That's what it means. Literally, it would mean a table server or a person who would, who would serve other people, a person who would step into the, in that space. So that's why I say if you want to impact people's lives, the greatest role you can have is to step up and be, whether it's in a formal deacon role or just being a servant in the church, because that is the way that God designed it. So we were talking about three questions last week, three questions this week. The who, or the why, the who, and the what. So let's talk about them really quickly. First of all, the why. Why do we even need deacons? Is that not just the institution church trying to create another position? No, no, no. It's an expression of Jesus. Why do we need the church? Why, why do we need the deacons inside the church? Because Jesus modeled it. 
Jesus modeled this very Greek word. It's referring to himself so many times in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he said, I did not come to be served, that same word for deacon, but to serve, to be a deacon. Jesus Christ came to be a deacon and to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So literally the model of Jesus is a life of a deacon, is the life of serving, is stepping up. Uh, A while ago, Taylor reminded us of a great passage, one of my favorite passages, one of his favorite passages is Philippians chapter two, when it talks about Jesus emptying himself and taking the form of a servant, of a deacon. That's literally what Jesus does when he comes to this earth. He models for us the life of a deacon. But Jesus also promoted the life of a deacon. He promotes it because he says, that's really where your status is. You want to see who you are in society? There's a lot of ways you can measure it. A lot of people measure it by your status, the car you drive, the pay, the, the pay band you are in your organization, the titles packed on your name, the letters at the end of your name. This all aligns with a status in your community. What subdivision you're in, are you a part of that club or that club? Were you chosen? Listen, That's all about status. And that's all about what our culture tells us your greatness is tied to. Jesus says, models for us, the Jesus worldview is it's not about status, it's about service. When you look at the gospel of Luke chapter 22, it says, for who is the greater? You wanna know who's great? Here it is. Here's Here's the two. One who reclines at the table has status or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? That's the person who's being served. That's the person who's being waited on hand and foot, if you will. But no, I am among you as one who serves. Again, Jesus models it. Jesus promotes it as this is the way. Every Sunday, every Sunday, whether you're holding a precious baby in the nursery or you're every Wednesday night, you're teaching a 12th grader values to live their life off of, that are, those are acts of service. Whether you're welcoming somebody when they came in the door. I had two families come to me in the very first service that were never been here before. So maybe some of you have never been here before and you're walking into a church and you don't know where to go. It's so awesome when somebody serves you when you come in. When you had a hot cup of coffee when you came in, somebody served that to you. Service is what we are about. It takes 300 people week over week just to serve one another. Forget serving our community. And so I just want to say one of the postures, one of the ways that we function as Jesus followers, Jesus imitators, Jesus apprentices is we do it through service. So why? Why? Because it's the Jesus way. Who? Who can be this? Let's take our Bibles and let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Last week, we were in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus, and we talked about the elder position inside the church. As he addresses it, and he calls out the qualities of an elder, um, and he, and, he, and he says, uh, what he says in, in, in chapter one, uh, excuse me, chapter three, verses one to verse seven. But then right after that, he goes into verse eight and he talks about deacons. So let me read this passage real quickly because it's not going to tell us a whole lot of the what they do, but he's going to tell us who they are. Okay. It's more the who. We'll deal with the what in a moment. Deacons likewise must be dignified. 
not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy or dishonest gain. Now, let's just stop right there. In one verse, he gives several qualifications, and in those qualifications, you might go, oh, man, I'm already disqualified. Listen, the bar is actually pretty low. All right. If you are a person who has some level of respect and other people respect you a little bit, and if you're not a double tongue, lying, backstabbing kind of person, and if you're not addicted to wine, we don't need a bunch of drunks running around serving in our preschool department. And if you're not greedy and you're going to steal from the church, hey, you know what? You could serve. Now, I'm not trying to make it dumb it down, but I am trying to say this, that this is, these are qualities that all Christians should aspire to. I need dignity. I need to control my tongue. I need to be a person who's not addicted to any kind of substance. I need to be a person who's not greedy. I need to be trustworthy. And so these are valuable qualities, but it's not like it's an insurmountable mountain that nobody can, can climb. Let's go on, keep reading in verse, uh, verse 8 or verse 9. And he must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them be tested first and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. And then he opens it up and he brings the women into the role of a deacon. He says their wives or in the NIV and other translations, that same word is used for woman. So wives or women likewise must be dignified, not slander, sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each, a husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith in Christ Jesus. Now, again, we looked back last week Whenever you're looking at an elder role, you look first of the family. How's the family functioning? Then you look to others. How do others experience this person? Is this person a quarrelsome person, a violent person? And then lastly, we look at outsiders. What do the outsiders say about that person? Well, the character of the deacon does matter. And it does fit in here. Whenever you look at this, some people would look at Paul and have literally called Paul a chauvinist. But I want to say to you that Paul was actually countercultural when he's trying to promote women into a seat of leadership. Now, hang on to this because we're getting into some, some, some thick stuff, okay? Whenever in that first century culture and you were a Jew, one of the things that you would pray is thank God I'm not a Gentile and thank God I'm not a woman. So literally, you were a second class person if you were not a male Jew. So that was the, the prime. The prim. In fact, in, in, in the Talmud, it, it has literally a statement that says that a woman's wisdom is only in her spinning wheel. It's only in her busyness. That literally this, and it goes on to say that, let the words of the Torah be burnt and not given to a woman. That's in the Talmud, okay? Now hang on to that. Now, what does Paul do? Paul steps forward and he brings women into a role of leadership. Now, does he put him in the elder position? No. Does he put her in the deacon position? Yes. Now, I know. Let me just pause right here on my message. That just divided this room, possibly. I'm either a ranking liberal, progressive, or I have, uh, I am, I am a chauvinist and I am a, 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 a messed up 
uh, dude, okay? A white man up here talking down to women. Neither's the case. This passage is opening up the door for women to be leading servants in the church, which is grassroots ministry. Yes, does it, let me, let me come over here and talk about the elder role real quickly. Every elder in the Old Testament, priests, kings, elders, even back to Moses, were all male. Doesn't mean women can't do it. Doesn't mean women are not qualified. It just, that was a role that was given to the man. And even if you go to the New Testament, you find that that leadership, that headship of the man being a leader in the home is very important. Well, that is still the role of the elder in the church. Come over here and you talk about the deacons. He opens it up for the deacons to be women in the church. Now, where do we see this lived out? You see this in Romans chapter 16, verses one and following. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant, diaconos, of the church of Centuria. So she was literally going to carry the, the, the writings of the most theological book of the New Testament, the book of Romans, from Corinth to the port city of Centuria to get on a boat to take it over to Rome. That's a pretty high calling, okay? That's a pretty high level of trust that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever he, uh, she may need for you. For she has been a patron. That word patron is used one time right here in the New Testament. It's not used anywhere else. So you have to go outside the New Testament to figure out what it means. When you understand what it means, it means a person of influence, a person of probably great wealth, a person of leadership in her own community. She was a patron, many and of myself as well. And then he goes on, he talks about greeting Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla being a female, a leading disciple maker in even his life, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now, I know this is hard for some to hear that come from a more men-only leadership. It's hard for others to hear that, that maybe Mike is squelching the, the, the women. Listen, I'm wanting to free it up, but here's my commitment. And the deacons, myself, and even the navigators over the past nine months, we've looked at this, but even prior to this, we have studied this since before we were in this building, since we, before we were in that building, since we were at Bentonville High School. This has been something that we want to do is give women as much leadership as possible while still maintaining true integrity to the scriptures. And that's not easy. Okay, what well, we're trying to be is as biblical as possible in this. And I know even when I say that, there are different biblical interpretations. We're trying to use a consistent hermeneutic as we go through here. Now, all that to say, where do I go if I want to hear more, know more about what you believe? Well, if you want to text in elders to 9700, then, or elders, elders in 9700, you will get a full-on 25-page doctrinal statement, theological statement that spells out what we believe and how we arrived at what we got there. 
Okay? It's not original with us. We read through it. We studied the scripture ourselves. We landed on that. This was a thorough statement. And we want to hear me again. We want to free women up to serve as many ways as possible in their giftings as many ways as possible. And so that is there for you. And let's talk about what. The who, the what. Uh, the what, what are the, what's a deacon to do? Take your Bibles and let's go to Acts chapter six. Just like last week we did the descriptive or prescriptive uh, of, the, of, of Titus. Now we're gonna do the descriptive. How do they function? Many people believe Acts chapter six is the first recognition of deacons in the church. Now, let me just say this. They're gonna, they're gonna choose seven deacons. There's probably 20,000 to 25,000 people who are followers of Jesus at this point. So these were not in and of themselves, every, they took care of everything in the church. These deacons were leading the charge. Again, they're leading servants in the church. Acts chapter six, I'm gonna give some quick commentary as we go through here. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing, again, they were increasing estimations somewhere between 20, 25,000 people by now are followers of Jesus. A complaint by the Hellenists, that's the Greeks, arose against the Hebrews, that's the Jews. So we have a little tribalism, a little racial tension going on here. Because their widows, the Hebrew widows, were being, excuse me, the, the Hellenistic widows were being neglected in their daily distribution. So the widows weren't getting their food. The Hebrew women were getting their food. And the 12 summoned, the 12 apostles summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Nothing wrong with serving tables. You're doing life impact ministry there. But our calling is over here to preach the word. We'll talk about pastors in the weeks ahead, okay? But our, our, our calling is over here. We need people called to serve, roll up their sleeves over here but we will devote ourselves to the prayer and to the ministry of the word, verse, verse five. And they said, and what they said, pleased the whole gathering and they chose, and it goes on and says, Stephen and a list of the other people. What I wanna see here in this passage is what does the deacons do? What do they do? What you see in Brian and Emily Moore is you're seeing this being lived out on, on, on their level. What does it mean in the church? Deacons resolve conflict in the church. Deacons should not stir conflict. They should resolve conflict. They're saying, hey, where is there a need? How can I step into that space? How can I help meet that need? Deacons also care for the people of the church. Notice that there's hungry widow women that need to be fed. What are they gonna do? They're going to raise up these people to make sure that the widows get their portions of the food. Now, tell me, let me tell you what happened this to me this week. Because we've been operating like this. We don't really have a, a true deacon. Our deacons and pastors have been serving in that uh, elder role, but we don't have this leg of a deacon ministry. So this happened to me this week. I had a family, Pete, Peter's his name. They're from India. They haven't lived here all that long, but they've been coming to Grace Point for ever since they've been here. And they all of a sudden find out this past week, his wife, Frida, 
has cancer. Now, by the way, I'm telling you everything, and they said I could share all this with you because they're needing prayer. They're needing support. And I said, how are you doing? What's going on? How can we step in? And this is what the message was. We have no one. We no one, no, no one, and we don't have any family around us. And what was breaking my heart was I did not have a body of deacons over here because our deacons have been serving as elders. We didn't have a body of deacons over here that I could pick up the phone. Hey, you're the people who work with people who have cancer or you're the people who work with people who just found out tragic news or you're the people who work with families that need foster uh, respite care. Or, we don't have that system set in place. So again, our three-legged stool is a two-legged stool and we need to balance that out because here's, here's the reality. And I put it out to a number of our pastors, all of our pastors actually, and I still have no one to walk with Peter and Frida and they're struggling with cancer. We need that. We need a deacon's ministry that cares for the people of the church. Number three, deacons relieve the pastors of, their, in, uh, of the church. They relieve us so that we can be busy about the word of God. It will take us, it'll take me 20 hours in a week to prepare a 35, 40 minute message. That is a lot of time. And so what they did in the first century is they stepped in and said, hey, we take care of that. You stay in the word and you stay in prayer. But number four, deacons also accelerate the gospel. What beautiful thing happens here is the apostles continue to preach, continue to pray, continue to, to do what they do. The new deacon body does what it does in meeting the needs of the people. And then guess what happens in verse seven? And the word of the God, the word of God continued to increase the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. I just want us to see this. When we as a body understand that we can step into Brian and Emily Moore's life and go, you know what? I can help in this way. We can, I can help with Peter and, and, and Frida in this way. And we start stepping into people's lives, impacting people. We are truly being a beautiful body of Christ that will make other people look at us and go, hey, I want to be a part of that. I, I tell you, when I say that um, they help us extend the gospel, accelerate the gospel, I want to close with the story of one of my favorite all-time deacons. Uh, it was my, deacon in my second church. His name is Jim Barber. And Jim, uh, when Lori and I went to that church, we were like 23. We'd had one child and we we're about to have another child. And we didn't have any family but Jim and Carolyn stepped into our life. They were deacons in the church, stepped into our life and stepped up in a big time way. Fast forward, four years of ministering there, loving on them. Jim becomes that person, that mentor in my life that walks with me and serves with me. And we just do life together in so many ways. And he was the one who came to me and said, Mike, there is a family in Kenya, Africa with three kids and they don't have a house to live. We, he's a deacon seeing a need, meeting a need. I'm a pastor. We need to go build them a house. And I'm like, we don't build houses, okay? That's not what I do. And anybody who's been around me in construction areas, I don't do that kind of stuff. I can lift things, I can move things, but I don't build things and I can tear things down. And so he said, okay, that's fine. I'm gonna get some people in our church. And he did, he went and got an electrician. He went and got a carpenter. And he literally built the team out and we went over there and we served this family that works among the Maasai people 
of Kenya. And we served them and we built them a house and they lived in that house for a number of years. But where does it go from there? Lori and I, when we were there, we began to pray about where God wanted us to serve in the world because of a deacon who prompted me, who prompted us, who worked in our life as he's working in other people's lives, serving us while serving other people, Lori and I began to see our place in the world. Two years later, we moved to Zambia. Where's Jim and Carolyn today? Well, Carolyn, we saw her last fall. She's in San Antonio in a nursing home suffering from Alzheimer's. Jim died one month, nearly to the day, before Lori and I moved to Africa. And I think about Jim to this day, and I think about his material investment, his spiritual investment, his role as a deacon in our church, and I think, man, I need more Jim Barbers. And as he steps into that space, I wonder if all of us would see a need and step into that space of meeting a need. Deacon, big D deacon, title deacon, or just being a deacon like Jesus, serving the needs. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank God that Jesus took on a servant's role and went to the cross for each and every one of us. Would you just in your heart right now say to Jesus, Jesus, thank you for being a deacon servant in my life. As you remain with your head bowed and you're just heart attentive, would you now ask God, ask Jesus, where does he want you to be a deacon? Where does he want you to serve? Where is he wanting you to make a life impact? Is it Pete and Frida as they have no family and they deal with the tragic news of cancer? Is it stepping into Brian and Emily's life and going, hey, we're with you together in this. How can we help? Or the hundreds of others that need homes. Father, would you work in this space right now that every one of us would wave a banner of deacon, don our hands, our feet into the dust, into the dirt of this world, into people's lives, and truly be deacons in their life. Because that's the calling of Jesus. That's the calling of the Jesus way. Now it's finding out where that is. Father, open our eyes, work in our space right now, in our hearts right now. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us? Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.